Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome on into a Monday edition of Sports Talk, the second half starting here at 6 o'clock. I'm Steve Geller along with Charlie Long. The 7 o'clock hour, we have the Matt McMahon Show going some inside LSU basketball. Uh, speaking of basketball, I do not know who watched the All-Star game uh, last Ooh. night. But, man, oh, man, you talk about you want to talk about lack of defense, Charlie. Holy crap. What was the stat? It was like they shot 168 three-pointers. That was, yeah, that was the total. Um, combined between co- combined. Both, yeah, the East and West squads. What are we doing here? It was just you saw guys just kind of loafing down the court, pass it to somebody, and then just jack it up. I love Luka Doncic. Except for Carl Anthony Towns, who was like parked under the basket. I want to say it was like at the end of the second or third quarter. I forget, but Luka just threw up quite literally like a seventy-five foot shot with thirty seconds left, you know, in the quarter. And people were like, "Oh, it's a two for one." And he was just having fun with it. I'm like, "What are you doing, dude?" <laughs> like he just he just threw it up past half court, and it was a huge break. But I mean. Some people, a lot of people are actually getting up in arms about the, the All-Star game and what needs to be changed. I think the NBA's All-Star game is right there with, like, the NFL's Pro Bowl weekend. Like, no one... No, really, how do you how do you fix the All-Star game, though, in the NBA? Because you're not worried about guys, you know... They don't care. ...getting injured. Yeah, well, exactly. Like, you don't want anyone to get injured, and that's a part of it. But, I mean, we're only a few years <laughs> removed, remember, Steve, from... I think it was the 2020 All-Star game where they played to a set number... And this is what they should do. It was the I, I think Jeff and I talked about this. It was called like the Elam ending or something like that, where you play to a set number uh, after a few quarters, and then they played for charity, I believe, in 2020. So all these all-star level talented players in the NBA were playing defense in the all-star game. You never see that, and you haven't really seen it since they got rid of it the other night. Last night was another example of it. It was not a good performance. I guess some people will like just the fireworks of scoring 211 points in a game. but Well, yeah, what's the fun in that? The MLB is the one pro sports league in America that has a good all-star game. It's just a baseball game. It's a baseball game featuring the best players in baseball. And baseball is just a different sport where you can have a really solid all-star game just like that. The NBA's all-star game, it has to be fixed. They, I don't know how they'll fix it. I don't know if they'll put some kind of incentive. I saw someone mention that all-star weekend would be a good time to have the final game of the in-season tournament. I thought that was kind of interesting. Like They want to have the in-season tournament stuff kind of early on to garner more interest in the NBA. And then in like hold November. the championship game. Yeah, in November and December. And then you could kind of save the championship game maybe for the end of all-star weekend. I thought that was fascinating. I saw someone bring up the idea of doing like USA versus the world in the All Star Game festivities. I I don't know about that. Maybe. Right. We tried the drafting of teams already. Yeah, they went back to the East West, which is fine. But I mean, they got to figure out something to make it more competitive, or just not have it at all because it's 
it's kind of embarrassing at times, Steve. Yeah, I would definitely. You, you see something like that, 211 to 186. Who's really tuning in and watching that the entire time? Well, it's also the style of play. It's very lackadaisical. And, and once again, I understand it's an exhibition. Nobody <laughs> wants anybody to get hurt. I get that. Play to the half then. I don't even know. I don't know, man. It's just not It's not a good product. Uh, happy for Damian Lillard. You know, won the MVP, got back-to-back three-point championship. But, Charlie, what's up with the slam dunk competition, too? Oof. We got guys in the G League winning slam dunk championships. Back-to-back for Mac McClung. <laughs> right, shout for him, to him. too. Yeah, uh, Shout-out to him. But but he's not even an NBA-er. So that, to, to me, even doesn't sit right. Yeah, they. I mean, Jalen Brown got a lot of criticism for his performance in the dunk contest, even though he was one of the final – he was, like, one of the two finalists uh, for it before Mac McClung won. I don't really, I don't have interest in the dunk contest unless, you know, something starts popping up on my Twitter feed. I'm like, oh, you got to see this guy's dunk. You got to see how this contest is going. Just in recent years, it hasn't been great. The last great one we saw was that Zach Levine versus Aaron Aaron Gordon one back in, I think it was 2006. And I think part of it is just like, there's only so many ways you can dunk a basketball, right? There's only so many things that a player can do. And we have it every single year. Like, oh, this, this guy had a crazy dunk. This guy had a crazy dunk. Uh, but the contest in general is just kind of underwhelming as well. It's the NBA's All Star Weekend festivities aren't great. And, I was impressed the guy in the G League was able to jump over Shaq and dunk. Yeah, they've <laughs> they've got to figure out how they're going to fix the All Star game. And I don't know if they can really fix the dunk contest. Maybe no, because the stars don't want to do it. Yeah, the stars don't want to do it. And Jalen Brown was like the quote unquote best star to do it in the past couple of years, and he got tons of criticism for it online. So why would he do it again? Why would any other star do it? Could you imagine the crowd in Indianapolis if Zion came over and did one of his windmill dunks? They would have gone nuts. Yeah, I, I would have liked it, but I mean, the three point contest is probably the best event at All Star Weekend. Right, because no one's consistent. worried about injury. Yeah, exactly, and I mean. It's it's fun to watch, and Dame Lillard showed why he's still one of the greatest three-point shooters ever and back-to-back three-point shoot uh, contest winner. So, yeah, the, the NBA's got a lot of questions to answer about how they can fix All-Star Weekend for you know upcoming years because just the product in general over the last couple of days was not very good. No, I think it's the, the problem is obviously guys want their rest and they're, no one's looking to get hurt, but there's just really not enough on the line, nothing really at stake for them to be competing for and giving it their all. I don't know if you have to come up with a more of a monetary solution there. Well, that's what I'm saying. Back in 2020, when the All-Star game was excellent, especially at the end, they had, you know, they were playing for charities. Like, I think it was $300,000 to the winning team's charity. That's a pretty nice incentive to do, and that's a way for the NBA to get involved and get the players maybe a little bit more motivated. Uh, But, I I don't know, getting rid of that quote-unquote Elam ending that they had where you play to a certain number after three quarters, I think that was kind of dumb because it was just a complete blowout for most of the second half. And, I mean, the players were just jacking up three-point shots the whole time. It's, I don't know. What happened to give away a car to winners of these, you know, all-star games something. in general? I feel like I haven't seen that in a while. I, I haven't either. But Like the Pro Bowl, there was no one winning a, a car afterwards, I don't think. That's just the last great all-star game that I saw in the NBA was <laughs> that year. I mean, go back and watch it. It was actually really fun, all these all-star level players actually playing defense. I mean, because you have all these alphas on the floor. They're the best players on their own teams, and, you know, they're all playing together trying to figure out how the pieces fit, you know, when everyone's trying to get to a certain number and there's, like, limited time to do it. It's it's a fun product when it's that, but 
What we saw last night was not that, Steve. No, definitely looking forward to Pelicans action returning on Thursday. What do they open up against? The Houston Rockets Rockets coming to the Smoothie King Center. And then, uh, what is it, 27 games remaining in the regular season? 27 games remaining. 16 of them are against Eastern Conference foes, which we talked to Ali Cassell about that. And I looked at it, Steve, if you're looking at the current standings right now, the Pelicans have five games remaining against teams that are above them in the standings. Five. Okay. That's final 27. Now, that's not to say that they play a bunch of teams with losing records. They play a lot of teams that are kind of hovering around the 500 mark. Uh, a lot of the teams that they're playing also are solid, but they're just not 11 games over 500 like the Pelicans. Or the Pelicans may own a tiebreaker against them in the case of the Knicks, for instance. So it's not a super easy schedule, but it's very manageable for this Pell squad. Yeah, for them to move up into one of those top four spots, I think is going to be very, very difficult, obviously, because these other teams are still playing ball too. But locking up a five or six seed in the NBA playoffs, definitely a solid possibility for this squad. That's all I'm asking for. And uh, Draymond Green and his Warriors got to figure out how to get into the playoffs first before they start talking smack about the Pels. Oh. When we get back from the break, when we get into some LSU baseball, Tigers now 4-0 and after a 4-3 win over Central Arkansas that just wrapped up a couple, like about an hour ago. We're going to talk to Koki Riley of The Advocate when we get back right here on WWL. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. LSU baseball just wrapping up their game against Central Arkansas. A 4-3 winner. Tigers now improving to 4-0 and on the season. LSU baseball uh, in defense of their national championship. Off to a great start. Happy to welcome in LSU baseball and football writer for the Baton Rouge Advocate, Koki Riley. How you been, Koki? How was the day at the ballpark? It was great, you know, and there's no such thing as a bad day at the ballpark, in my opinion. So it well, was great. Even the other day when it was freezing outside? Oh, God. 
It was yeah, awful. I mean, first of all, we're in the press box, so it's not <laughs> half as bad. And then second of all, you know, it's, uh, again, like, it's, it's, it's never a bad day at the ballpark, so it was a uh, um, pretty competitive game, too. So that was good. Yeah, I appreciate that. You No wanting, you're there watching a, a great LSU baseball team playing. Uh, who cares about the weather outside as long as they got the game in? And there's no delays in action. They actually got it through. But looking at today's game, Koki, LSU improving to 4-0 on the season. Uh, another impressive uh, outing. First baseman Jared Jones, another home run. Uh, I think it's a third time in four game for him. Now, quite a start to the season. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jared's looked, had a really good start this year, um, which is an encouraging sign for LSU because they need those sophomore hitters uh, between him and Brady and uh, Paxton and Paxton Kling to to really get it going this year and take that next step forward. Because if this team wants to get to Omaha and you know win another College World Series, that has to happen. And um, you know that progress from from Jared and and, and Jay talked about at the end of the game uh, after the game today that uh, they've seen real improvement from him. Uh, over the last month or so, so you know that's a good that's a good sign for LSU. Uh, looking at one of the newcomers on this squad, Max Bingham. What have you seen out of this kid? Because he seems to have fit in seamlessly right away in this Tigers lineup. Yeah, Mac. He's a uh, he's a he's a professional hitter. <laughs> um, not not in the literal sense, but in more in the figure of sense. In that uh, fifth year senior out of Arizona, obviously knows uh, knows Jay Johnson, knows the system extremely well because he played under under Jay for. Uh, I believe two years there, and uh, yeah, he's just a really solid uh, everyday sort of guy at 360 over at Arizona. So it's not surprising me at all that he's had a pretty solid start this start this year. One of those surprising players that has had a really solid start, I would say, is freshman second baseman Stephen Milam, who actually played all over the infield. I think he was a shortstop when he was recruited out of New Mexico. Uh, but his start, he would start off five and seven. Then today, he also went one of four. Uh, hitting all from the leadoff spot, but Coach Johnson was talking about his development, someone that wasn't great during maybe during the fall, but has really made strides in the past couple of weeks, and he had a really good opening weekend as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as you said, he didn't have a fantastic fall, but, you know, you know, Steven, he really understands the strike zone, and um, he got out of himself a little bit more today and swung, at some, uh, swung some bad pitches, but... You know, for the most part, he's looked really comfortable at the plate. He isn't isn't afraid of velocity at all. Has great bat control. Um, can really put the ball in play offensively. And uh, if he gains some strength, I think he can add some more pop to his game. But that's really something more uh, to look forward to down the line. Uh, can play second base pretty solidly. I think he's pretty much going to be a second baseman moving forward for LSU and in professional baseball, uh, because in part because of his size, but. You know, he's, he's quick, quick twitch athlete, and uh, it's someone who, who's definitely going to help him out this year. Was looking at the Tigers pitching staff and a kid that didn't disappoint today, Kate Anderson, the lefty, came in, got his first uh, action of the season, and like I said, didn't disappoint. Pretty good outing for the, for the freshman. Yeah, Kate was uh, very, very good today. Uh, he was around, you know, 92-94 uh, with a pretty good curveball, and uh, it had – some slight control issues throughout the day. I okay. mean, LSU's pitchers have had uh, LSU's pitching staff has had some control issues so far to start the season, but for the most part, I mean, six strikeouts and four innings, um, one of the seventy pitches, which is a very good sign, given the fact that he hasn't pitched in nearly two years because of Tommy John surgery. He said that today isn't you know he hasn't pitched in nearly two years. He got had to get the surgery um, his junior junior year of high school. 
So uh, considering how much time he's been out and considering how long he was able to go and, you know, the fact that he was as solid as he was, uh, that's a good sign for LSU moving forward. What do you saw from a Gage Jump? It was one of the big names coming into the season that we kept hearing over and over again about someone that you may not have heard of, a transfer from UCLA that was going to make an immediate impact on this team. Uh, coming off of Tommy John surgery at UCLA, Coach Johnson goes out and gets him in the portal, and he kind of eased him in, I guess, so to speak, this season by only pitching him in the ninth inning in that opening victory against uh, VMI. He picked up a save. But I think that this is a guy that you saw when he pitched that ninth inning, the stuff that he has, uh, some of the best on the team. And I I think we were talking with Scott Sanders in the last hour, Koki, and just this guy's going to be in the weekend rotation sooner rather than later. Yeah, he just has to build up his pitch count. And uh, Art has a a really strong four-pitch mix. And another guy coming off Tommy John surgery hasn't pitched in the last year and a half. Really didn't pitch much during the preseason scrimmages leading up um to this weekend so there's a question about how healthy is he really right now um but really the answer was just that they're really slow playing it with him and um trying to build up his pitch count and i think he was supposed to pitch two innings today but uh not this weekend i mean uh, he was supposed to pitch two innings this weekend but it went down to one just because of some of the situational stuff with the games um this weekend and uh, because the game was close, they had him come in to close the Friday night game. So that's why he only threw one inning, basically. So, yeah, he's uh, he was very, very impressive in the inning that we saw. And um, I, I think I, I have to figure that he's going to be the Sunday starter at some point this season, probably by SEC play, if I had to make a, a guess, like a guess of it. Um, so, yeah, like he's definitely going to be a very important piece of this team this year. It's a good problem to have, and Coach Johnson mentioned his first year at LSU how he didn't have enough pitching, so he's never going to have to deal with that again. He always goes out and gets really talented pitchers, but the depth on this pitching staff is actually just unbelievable. It's like we, and he said, you know, leading up to the season that roles were going to change. Some pitchers may be starters early on in the season, may get moved into the bullpen. Other guys may move from the bullpen to the starting role, like you were talking about with Gage Jump potentially later on in the season. But one kind of spot that's a little bit you know, up in the air, I guess you would say for me, is a potential closer role. You saw Fidel Aloa today, the Juco transfer. You saw him twice this weekend, and he pitched two scoreless appearances. I thought he was pretty impressive in both games that he played. Gavin Gidry was kind of the guy that I think a lot of people expected to be in that role. Um, but who would you say is kind of the favorite for that early on? Yeah, I, I don't think Jay totally believes in having a set closer for every, you know, tight situation uh, in the ninth inning. He's very much about the matchups, right? So if a team has two – if a team, for example, has two lefties um, coming up in the order, you know, you'll probably see a guy, someone like Justin Lohr in there instead. Um, If it's three righties, then probably Gavin Guidry. Um, If the middle of the order is coming up in the seventh inning, then he'll throw one of those top guys or – or Fidel, I think, is one of those could is probably one of those top guys for them already, at least at the start of this year. So yeah, I mean they have a ton of different options in terms of high leverage relievers. But like, I guess if you had to say who the closer is, it, it's probably Gavin, Justin, or um, some combination of those two. Uh, and I from left or right side, but at the same time, I don't think Jay's is. Um, is, uh, is shy at all about pitching those guys in the sixth, the seventh, or the eighth innings um, if the situation uh, calls for it. So that, that's just kind of my view on that whole situation. 
Yeah, Thatcher comes in on Friday night, has some issues. Friday night, I say it was Friday night. Yeah, that's where I was going to, Charlie. Two and two-thirds innings pitched, and then he walks the nine-hole hitter. I mean, I think he had retired seven straight before that, and then it just kind of spirals out of control with four straight hits, and he gets pulled. But Thatcher, in you know, when Jay announced the opening weekend rotation with Thatcher pitching on Friday, I think a lot of us really understood it. Then Saturday, going to Luke Holman, who was outstanding in his first appearance against Central Arkansas with 10 strikeouts and five and a third innings pitched. It feels like Thatcher will be fine, and I don't think anyone should overreact to how he performed in that opening game. Uh, but Luke Holman was fantastic. I mean, he ran into one issue, and it was during that cold, windy game that you were talking about earlier, Koki. I was there and watching Luke Holman deal. He had one <laughs> single inning where he ran into issues, and that was in the fourth where he gave up that lead-up double and then a follow-up single to put runners at the corners with nobody out. Strikeout, strikeout, strikeout. Gets out of the jam. Has 10 strikeouts, as I said, in that performance. And just what you saw from him, uh, who I think he's going to be such an important piece to this Tigers weekend rotation. Yeah, Luke Holman, uh, guy who knows how to pitch. And similar to Mac Bingham, who knows how to hit. You know, these are veteran guys who um, there's just a stability and a consistency with them. And Holman, I really like his breaking ball. Um, and then he has that solid 91 to 93 mile per hour fastball that he can pretty much throw wherever he wants. And I, I think the combination of those two things uh, makes him a really solid starter. And he was one of the better starters in the SEC last season. To me, he was um, at least around the top five. Like he was, uh, he was a really underrated addition uh, for LSU this year. I don't know about underrated, but um, I guess more under the radar than say like a Brandon Montgomery. Um, it's some of the bigger name transfers. And they needed someone who could come in right away and be, you know, a Friday or Saturday starter. That was like kind of the last, uh, he was kind of like the, the last missing piece of the puzzle um, for them when it came to their portal additions this offseason. And he was kind of a perfect guy to slide in there. And, and part of it's because of the inconsistencies of someone like Thatcher. Like Thatcher, um, we've seen the best of Thatcher, but we've also seen the worst of Thatcher. And, and I think Friday was just another uh, another example as to some of the ups and downs that he's had uh, at LSU. And uh, it, it's it, it, when he gets into trouble, uh, more times than not, it just kind of spirals out of control. And I, I think this was another example of, of that. And that's, you know, that's kind of concerning given that, this again, we're heading into year two now and, this, and it's still happening. Well, somewhere where this LSU team looks pretty set, Koki is at catcher. Just talk about the tig- the what the Tigers have behind the dish going into this season. Really impressive. It just gives them a lot of versatility, right? Um, they can pinch hit guys and bring guys in and out of the lineup without having to worry too much about you know the the, the consequences because you know if you only have like two ca- capable catchers, then there's only so much you can do when it comes to defensive replacements and. Um, and taking guys in and out for certain matchups. So, uh, yeah, and they all looked pretty good defensively this weekend. I mean, Brady Neal had a couple of pass balls and, you know, wild pitches they couldn't corral that you would have hoped he would have. But, I mean, other than that, like, they were throwing out runners all weekend um, at a pretty high clip, and, you know, pitchers seemed pretty comfortable you know, with, with those guys behind the plate. So, uh, I think that was all. I think it was a very good weekend for the catchers and, Especially with Brady Neal at the play. I mean, yesterday he hit a home run and two doubles. So, um, yeah, they kind of have a, like a guy for everything. They have kind of like a high ceiling uh, catcher, a younger high higher ceiling catcher who um, it can be an answer defensively, but is also also can be a very good offensive player. Brady Neal. They have the slugger. Uh, 
who can also throw out some runners and Hayden Dravinsky. And then, of course, they have Alex Mloth, who's kind of the defensive wizard, quote-unquote. So, uh, yeah, like when you have three catchers, all quality guys who are SEC-level starters, it, it just gives you so much versatility when it comes to uh, – and depth, obviously, uh, when it comes to your team. Versatility is a great word for it, Koki, but there's it's hard to leave any of these guys out of the lineup as well, just based off of what you've seen from Brady Neal and Hayden Travinsky so far. Travinsky being named the co-SEC Player of the Week already, went 8-14 of 14 in the four games, had nine runs, scored five RBI, reached 13 times with those three walks and two hit-by-pitch as well. I, he's such a great bat. You have to keep him as a DH if he's not catching. And then you have Brady Neal, who's got that kind of – he's like the, the middle piece, I guess you would say, between Milazzo and Travinsky, where he's great at both – you know, cat, like defensive catching and hitting, uh, where you saw that you know, full display against VMI, two doubles, a grand slam, and two runners thrown out on the base paths. It's hard to keep these guys out of the lineup. Yeah, exactly. And um, and and I think what, Jay Johnson is an offensive-minded coach at the end of the day. Like, there's a reason why his teams have hit the ball so well, not just at LSU, but also at Arizona year in and year out. Um so I, I think he's always going to want to lean, lean offense when it comes to you know, you know picking out starters and picking out his best lineup. So I think that's why those two guys are going to be lined up more often than not. And that leaves a kind of a guy. I mean, a guy like Alex Mazzo, kind of on the in, on the outside looking in. Um, but at the same time, you know, they can bring him into the game like they did today uh, to, to to give them some extra defense and, and secure a victory. You getting used to these earlier first pitches, Koki? I know we got a bunch more two o'clock and one o'clock games before we get to our first night game. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I, I kind of like it, you know. I I, I kind of get, get my night. Done with work sooner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You get done with work a little bit sooner. Um, you know, normal sleeping patterns, <laughs> all that sort of good stuff. So um, I'm good with it. I, I do love the environment of uh, of a night game in Tiger Stadium, and especially if it's against an SEC opponent. Yeah. But if you're playing these mid, if you're playing these mid majors and games that you should be winning anyway, like why not have them in the day, right? And, um, I, I will, having a day game on a Monday is very strange, though. Even if it is um, not a bad strange by any means. Was this planned by Jay Johnson or just how things shook out? I think it was planned by him because, in part, it gives them more flexibility as to you know, moving moving a game back if you know the weather's bad or the or. Ah uh, yes, we know about that. Well, <laughs> yes, yes, um, uh, yeah. So, like, if they started this game tonight, it would have been pretty darn cold. Um, that would have been good for the pitchers and whatnot. And uh, I, I think he likes the the day games because. Um, of that flexibility uh, when it comes to the weather, especially with the temperature. It's, it's going to be warmer in the middle of the day, and that's just better for the pitchers this time of year. Koki, one of those players in those first four games that may have gone off to a slow start statistically, but was swinging a good bat. He was just kind of running into some bad luck, was Michael Braswell, the South Carolina transfer. I want to get your thoughts early on him because I think he did make some good plays defensively, uh, and he's going to be a solid shortstop for the Tigers. And just give him some time, and that batting average will come up. Yeah, he can make the routine play for sure, um, and maybe even more consistently than Jordan Thompson did, which that was kind of Thompson's problem, right? It was the errors and sort of the inconsistency with, uh, you know, just make it simply making the, you know, fielding the ball and making the throw the first base. Uh, I think Braswell can do that exceptionally well, even though I don't think he has quite the range and the arm strength that Thompson had. 
but very few shortstops, if any, in the country did last year. So I think Braswell is a pretty solid defensive player for them there. And then offensively, you know, it's just about it's just a matter of like getting to his power because I think he's going to be able to put the ball in play more often and and more a little bit more solidly than he did this weekend. This weekend, I mean. Not, he wasn't striking out every single time, but it, it, but you know there was a lot of ground balls and some of the issues that he had over at South Carolina. He's just got to put the ball in the air more and drive the ball more. Um, that's going to be the key to his success, and that's something they've been working on uh, throughout the fall and, and throughout the preseason. He was at least according to Jay Johnson, he was their best hitter during the fall. I don't think one weekend you can't sort of judge whether it's working or not. Um, but and that's I'm just saying like that's something that, that's the other shoe that has to drop for him. Uh, in order to, for LSU fans to really feel really confident about his offense. And then, Cookie, my last question for you is, I mean, we'll be talking to you throughout the season covering LSU baseball. What's the one kind of player under the radar that we haven't really mentioned or may have mentioned briefly but didn't give enough coverage to that's going to be a great contributor on this team? Ooh, uh, good question. Because we've talked about so many guys. Um, Jake Brown's definitely worth mentioning, just a quick twitch athlete who – uh, Major League Baseball, I believe, was more of a pitcher than a hitter, but here at LSU, he's been hitter first. Um, today, he played in center field. He can play all three outfield spots. He can play first base. Uh, he had a pretty – he looked pretty solid at the plate. What today wasn't, like, his greatest day. Actually, he had two hits today. Never mind. I'll take that back. But, uh, yeah, so he's a, he's definitely going to be a guy to watch for this season, and I, and just sort of the triangle between him, Milam, and Josh Pearson, who starts on what day, and maybe you can even add Paxton Kling to this as well because Kling didn't start today, and they put Brown in center field and had Brown in Milam in the lineup. Um, so I, 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 it's so one of the two of the three between Pearson, Milam, and Brown are will start games. Just a matter of who he picks on a certain – who Johnson picks on a certain day, depending on the matchup. At least that's what it's, what it, what it's set as uh, right now. And I don't think LSU quite has, like, the, the, the lineup depth that they had last season and all the different options off the bench that they had a year ago. But, but by that same token, like, when you have those three guys battling for two spots, it gets really interesting. And, um, and Pearson, obviously, you know, started the opener at second base, has played the outfield – uh, played the started in the outfield today and on Saturday and sat on Sunday, um, and uh, it, his versatility is kind of why there's like a I'd say a mini competition between him and um, uh, Milo, who's at second, and then Brown, who's mostly been an outfielder thus far. So that's going to be I think that's just sort of a storyline to watch out for the rest of this year, and, and really Brown in general um, as someone who can really help them out as a quick twitch outfielder with some power. Before we say goodbye, Koki, definitely want to say congrats to you. I haven't talked to you since your uh, move to NOLA.com and the Baton Rouge Advocate covering LSU baseball and football for them. So congratulations, my man. Awesome. Thanks so much, guys. Uh, looking forward to talking even more about LSU baseball um, with you all for the rest of the season. And, uh, again, thanks so much for the congrats. It's been a really, really awesome start so far. Definitely. Thank you and appreciate the time. Always great info, man. All right, appreciate it, guys. Thanks so much. That was Colkey Riley. You can check out his work for LSU Baseball and now football for the Baton Rouge Advocate and NOLA.com. Going to take a break when we get right back. Here with Jay Johnson, coach of the LSU Baseball team, had to say after the Tigers' 4-3 to win today over Central Arkansas. We'll be right back on WWL. After the end of a good fight, 
You deserve an ice cold reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Winner, winner of the LSU baseball team, a 4-3 to victory over Central Arkansas today. The Tigers now... 4-0 and to start the 2024 season. After the game, Coach Jay Johnson spoke with Bill Frankes on the LSU Sports Radio Network, and here's what Coach had to say. And Coach, uh, through the first four games of 2024, your team certainly has demonstrated an ability to, to, to win in different ways. This was a tight ball game all the way through, and, and you guys were able to, to make the key plays to get the job done. Yeah, for sure. And I think we'll get a lot of value out of this weekend. We should develop a lot of confidence out of this weekend. In the SEC, you're going to play games like that often. And our team showed an aptitude to execute at the key moments of the game that put it in our favor. And that's a, a good quality and one we hope to emulate over and over as the year goes on. Of course, so the story of the game was the start by Cade Anderson, a, a young man uh, from St. Paul's High School in Covington, Louisiana, who underwent Tommy John surgery, didn't pitch his senior year of high school, and did, elected to come to school, and, and a very talented young man. And we saw evidence of that today. Just your thoughts on his four-inning outing and, and the way he controlled the game. Yeah, I thought it was great. I think it's, it's awesome that he's here to begin with, and you never want anybody to get hurt, but I often tell people that, had he not gotten Tommy John surgery and missed his senior high school, there's a high, like, high likelihood he would be in professional baseball. And I'm certainly happy to have him here. He's a great pitcher. He's a great competitor. Got that uh, right type of character, makeup, and maturity to get out on the mound and, and do what he did today. Really not a surprise to me, and he's got a great future here. Coach, you, you talked yesterday about the fact that you had nine pitchers available for today's game, which should illustrates the depth of the staff uh six guys saw action five in relief of anderson and each of those five relievers all made key outs over the course of the game just your thoughts on the way the bullpen performed yeah that was great i think it's a strength of our team um we've recruited really hard to to put ourselves in that position and there's a lot of times that we're um in a really good spot you know with the pitcher in the matchup and we can do it because you know got a lot of guys that do different things well and Really happy with all five of those guys, how they executed today. Offensively, Coach, as we said, uh, got off to a great start. Back-to-back-to-back uh, back to back singles, uh, three runs in the first inning. But credit to, to Central Arkansas. Uh, the relief pitcher, Alvetti, was exceptional with five and a third shutout innings. Uh, offensively, though, what, what did you like about the way the team performed? Well, I liked how we started. We got uh, great at-bats from the first three guys in the, the first inning. And they got a, a hit by pitch and... Um, Jared got the big swing in the fourth inning. I think uh, we were in a really good position to blow the game open in the first inning and didn't do it. We had a couple bad at-bats where we chased out of the zone, and that's not usually something we do. So, 
you know, credit to Bryce Parlin for keeping that inning where it was. And then, you know, Alvetti threw a good game. I think uh, there's a lot of learning experience in that game that, you know, we'll, we'll be more prepared for the next time we see a guy like that. And, Coach, now that we have completed the first weekend of the 2024 season, of course, very highly anticipated. I know you guys have worked so hard since August to get to this point of starting the season. Just your overall evaluation uh, through the first four games and what what – did you most like and where can the Tigers go from here yeah I think um, what I would say most like is a lot of times you have to lose to get your team's attention to improve and I thought we improved throughout the weekend and we showed we can win in different ways which I always want that to be a staple we got a lot of guys involved I mean all the guys I think that we plan on playing this year positionally got a hit this weekend so got that out of the way Uh, shows the depth of the roster and then the bullpen shows the depth of the roster and um you know, we used a lot of guys this weekend, and a lot of guys came through. So happy with the, the pitching results for the most part. Uh, the things that we need to clean up, you know, we'll clean up there. On the position player side, I would have liked to have put together more good at-bats throughout the game today. But we'll chalk that up to Coach Johnson will do a better job on, uh, <laughs> you know, the sidearm pitcher, which normally that's a strength of ours. So, All right, Coach. Look forward. We'll look forward to the week uh, Thursday. We're back at it with Northern Illinois and Stony Brook over the weekend. So uh, the congratulations. We'll see you on Thursday. All right. Thanks, Bill. LSU coach Jay Johnson on the LSU Sports Radio Network after the Tigers' 4-3 to win over Central Arkansas. We're going to take a break here on WWL, and we'll get back wrapping things up, heading things off to the Matt McMahon Show, going inside LSU basketball right here on WWL. Things winding down here on our Monday edition of Sports Talk tomorrow. We will have Mike D. scouting combine preview, taking a look at this year's running backs class, plus NBA scout Mark Cooks will drop by at 520 to break down the Pelicans. How will New Orleans fare in the final stretch of the regular season, those 27 games, and are the birds built for a deep playoff run? Huddle up with Bobby, Mike, and myself. Four to eight tomorrow, WWL and the free Odyssey app. Looking at our Oakland Heart Jewelers talking text time, Charlie. Uh, 6784 wants to know, what do you think about an all-star game winner having home court advantage in the finals like they do in baseball if they still do that in baseball? But, yes, they, they do not still do that in, the, in MLB. They don't, and I think they got rid of it a couple years ago. I don't remember exactly. I believe it was it, two years ago as was well. Was it two years ago? Because I remember... The big thing beforehand, I remember, this means something. And then I was like, oh, it doesn't mean anything anymore. No, I mean, it's an interesting idea. Like, I responded to that listener. They just need to do something, Steve. Like, make some kind of incentive for the All-Star game. I thought when the MLB did it, it was fun. But at the same time, if you the MLB is a lot more prone to having upsets happen in a postseason run. Like, I mean, you saw it this past year with the Diamondbacks making (laughs) a run all the way to the World Series. So... And then they end up hosting. So it's a six seed versus a five seed in the World Series just this past year with the Rangers and the Diamondbacks. So, I I mean, it's a little bit more conducive to excitement out of the MLB, whereas the NBA is mostly, you know, the top teams and the teams are the best players are the ones that make it to the NBA Finals. But like we said earlier on in the show, Steve, they have to do something. They have to figure something out because the product just isn't good. No, and the, the thing is, obviously, nowadays, nobody wants to get hurt. We're all worried about load management in the NBA. I know these guys don't want to be playing in an exhibition game, for crying out loud, even though it is an honor to be selected to it. But n- nobody really cares. I think the only way to make it important is to is compensation. It's got to be a money deal. Maybe. Maybe that would work. But with NBA contracts as well, it's <laughs> That's right. Like So, I mean, these are the top paid players in the NBA. So, I don't know, Steve. I, maybe money would help. I I like the charity idea that they had a couple years ago. I thought that went really well. 
getting rid of the Elam ending, I think, is also a mistake. But just having it be a basketball game like they had last night with no kind of rules or special, you know, additions that you would add to it, it just didn't work. At one point, though, I was interested to see. I'm like, holy crap, could they really get to 200 points in this? And sure enough, they did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they they definitely did. I mean, no defense at all was played. No, but people it, like it. It would I, just come, you know, mosey down the court, get to the three point spot, pass it to somebody, jack it up. I like the play that they had with Luca and uh, Nikola Jokic, where they were just passing it back and forth. The ball didn't touch the ground on the way to like the hoop, and like no one stopped it because you know why would you play any kind of semblance of defense in the All Star game? Yeah, a bit of a downer too this year. Obviously, no Brandon Ingram, no Zion Williamson. There was no real. Uh, local representation, except the Rising Stars game where Jordan Hawkins did all right. That's why Draymond and the Warriors aren't worried about the Pelicans, despite the Pelicans laying them a 40-point butt-whooping just a couple weeks ago at I their will own say, house. I at least appreciate Charles Barkley saying, watch out for these Pelicans. They are dangerous. Yeah, and Chuck's been one of those guys that's been very critical of Zion, rightfully so. I mean, he's was a big guy himself. And sure. He was saying, like, there's no reason that Zion shouldn't be averaging 10 rebounds a game. No, gave him credit to being more in shape this season, so yeah. kudos there. For sure. So I'm, I'm with him on that one. Have a great night everybody. Matt McMahon show up next. We'll be talking to you tomorrow with more sports talk right here on WWL. Who dat? T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 